My guest today is a former SEC Division I gymnast from the University of Missouri. She is currently the Associate Athletic Director of Student Enhancement at the University of South Florida. She oversees both the Enhancing You program as well as the Leroy Selman Mentorship program. For a long, long time, I've been trying to get this person on the show. If you've been following for a couple of episodes now, you understand that it was really important for me to try and reach out to this person. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, welcome Dr. Jody Libedisos to Changing the Field. Bedisos. Nailed it. Knocked it out of the park. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Jody, nice to meet you. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, like I told you previous, you know, we started recording. Uh, I've been telling as these interviews release in, you know, in like the weekly, bi-weekly fashion that I kind of got them going out now. Uh, the the story of how this interview came to be will kind of be, you know cataloged and I was just so excited because I think on like four or five of the different interviews I told former alumni about you know the things that you're doing and and telling them like hey I'm gonna try and get her on the show I'm gonna try and get her on the show so uh I'm really excited to have you and thank you so much for for sparing some of your time today of course that's awesome I'm very happy to be here so first things first uh want to kind of get into your athletic career and and your background in that you were a former division one gymnast at University of Missouri. That's right. Correct on that? Yeah. Right. Okay. So what is the career of a gymnast like? <laughs> I've never, I've never really known anyone that was, you know, division one caliber of, of gymnastics. Yeah, What's sure. that life like? I mean, it's not too much different from all the rest of the NCAA sports, but of course, most people know gymnastics by way of the Olympics, right? Um, mm-hmm. So it is a, it is a, a very intense sport uh, by nature and one of perfection, much un, um, unlike a, a lot of sports where, you know, it's, you know, a, a sport of trial and error and you know you can have lots of different mistakes and still make comebacks and still have a win and, and in gymnastics it's not that way so um right. you know that that wire you have to be wired a certain way to to succeed in that and that it also wires you a certain way um kind of for mm. the rest of your life so um i i was born and raised here in the tampa bay area actually um so i'm a native a real native um, okay so i never saw myself going to the state great state of missouri um, right. but you know, when you go through that, you, you have different scholarship offers. And at the time I'm, I'm old, right. So it was the big 12 back then, um, <sighs> had a couple of scholarship offers, some in the sec, which is the Mecca for college gymnastics, but Mizzou was just yeah. the right place for me from, from day one. Um, so ventured out and, and then once I chose college athletics for a career after college, I never thought that I'd be back here in Tampa. So you just never know, um, where things are going to take you. And that's one of the things I love most about, um, sports and, and everything like that. So. But yeah, I had a great experience at Mizzou. Um, you know, it I I, had, I blew my knee out. Uh, so I had a couple knee oh, surgeries and early on in same. my career in college. Um, yeah. You know, I had the, what they call the terrible triad: the ACL, MCL, meniscus. My freshman year, partway through the season. Uh, I never heard it explained like that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that might be something close to what I got. Did I, I had a pretty bad. Yeah, I had a pretty gnarly one on the right leg. But yeah, that's funny that you say that. It's, it's like people don't understand, like gymnasts get beat up i remember uh i forgot what year was it uh the lady that broke her leg in the olympics yeah, or whatever still went out and nailed it yep. yeah that was carrie so strug 1996 yeah carrie strug yeah it was such an iconic moment mm-hmm. and it's like i've never really gotten a chance to have a conversation with with a person that lived you know that the life of a gymnast yeah it definitely uh, beat you up you yeah. Much yeah, like football, crazy. right? In a different way, yeah. but much like football. Well, I imagine it does. It's such high impact, especially when you're, you know, doing like the, I don't know what the event is running and then the vault, the vault, yep. the vault, yeah. that's what it is. Yep. Yeah. The impact on that looks crazy. And you have to like slam the landing and like, yep. be like, that's so intense to me, that level of body control. And you can say you get judged by everything, you every do. little step is is tweaked to the maximum so it's like 
it was cool. It was cool seeing, you know, kind of learn about it as a kid in that Olympic moment. Yep. Uh, so how old were you when you first got into gymnastics? Because <laughs> I know, speaking of the Olympics, uh, from what I understand, that age limit, like they're looking for for the younger and younger mm-hmm. and younger, you know, athletes. What 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 age did you get into gymnastics? Yeah, it's a I, you're already a, an astute follower of gymnastics if you already know to ask that question. Um, I was 16 months when I started. I started in a mom and tots class and never turned back. So I was not one of those people that um, dibbled and dabbled in a lot of different sports, which in some ways I, I liked that. And in some ways I you know, wish I could have done that. But once you get into gymnastics and kind of take off and they see a talent in you, it, it kind of takes over. And to be good in the sport, you really do have to commit yourself full time. Now we have seasons and our season is in the spring, usually from January to April. Um, so in May for, for at the, at the, before you go to college, it's, it's until May. Um, so you have the season, but you're training year round, kind of how they've evolved with, you know, travel ball and all that with some of the other club type sports now, um, which in my opinion, sometimes it's too much these days, but, uh, you know, gymnastics sometimes is too much too. I was very fortunate to be at a gym, um, that was very family folk, like, you know, a very family atmosphere and and they wanted us to have experiences outside of gymnastics, uh, which was the right fit for me, or I probably would have gotten burnt out, uh, pretty early. So I actually trained less in club and then went to college and it was an increase in hours per week, which is very, very, um, not, not normal in the gymnastics world. Like all my teammates were coming down 10 or 15 hours a week when they went to college and I was going up. So, uh, yeah, I was, I was pretty, pretty fortunate in that regard. Where you said that you were from the Bay area mm-hmm. originally, yeah. where did you do? Cause I know, are there any like high school gymnastics programs, like teams or anything like Not that? Not here. There's a few places around the country that still uh, have high school gymnastics, but it's kind of like a, a, a lot of the other sports um, that have club opportunities. You're pretty much recruited out of the club environment, not from a high school perspective in gymnastics. And Florida doesn't have it, at least to my knowledge. Um, so I went, but I went to my club was La Flores Largo, which is in Pinellas County. Um, there's okay. a, there is a LaFleur's Tampa as well. They're brothers. So my coach, the head coach at my gym and the gym here are brothers. And then there was another brother in Wisconsin and then a sister down at oh. South Florida. So there's actually four siblings that were all in the gym, in a gymnastics family and they all grew right. up in open gyms all around the country. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That, that lineage kind of ties back. It's like how, how you hear, I don't know if you're familiar with like jujitsu. It's like the Gracie clan family kind of started the whole mm-hmm. movement. Yeah. Um, so did you have any, I know being fully committed to a sport like that, like you said, 16 months is just uh, like, I can't even fathom because in football, it's like, we don't even start. I didn't start playing until sixth grade. So right. it's like, I had my whole life to develop, but you like develop early, like, like one of the old school, it reminds me of like, like the old school, like warrior, like tribe, like you're, you're born into being a warrior. It's like, you don't know anything else. It's like, that's like the level of gymnastics. So that's probably an extreme, but it is up that alley. I mean, it is, is, you know, now, now that I have a kid myself, now that I have a kid myself, I, um, kind of realize a little bit more like when I was like when I was a kid people would be like oh my gosh you're only eight years old and look at what you're doing I was thinking in my heck in my head like yeah I'm just doing a sport that I love like I didn't think it was any big deal right. now that I have you know she's only two but I already am like wow what I, I started competing when I was like five and a half so the fact that I could go out by myself and do these routines and I'll tell you I don't like when they were talking about going to our first meet when I was a kid I, I thought we were going somewhere to meet people. Like I really didn't understand the concept of what we were doing until I walked into the meet. Like we got to the meet the day of the competition. I was like, Oh, now oh. I get what we're doing. Like that. Cause I was just so young. Um, yeah. but yeah, that's just kind of how the sport is. Uh, it has pushed back since, since I was a kid where you can be successful at a, at an older age. Um, even, mm. and you see in the Olympics, they're older than what they used to be and they've extended the age range. Um, that's the hard part though. You know, we don't have a professional realm really in gymnastics. So if you go to the Olympics, right. you can make money off of the sport. If you don't, then you can't. And typically because you're so, it's a younger sport, you're having to, the Olympic, the Olympic level student, stu, the Olympic level athletes who might, might want to do it in college are having to make a decision. Do I want to take the money and forego my amateurism and have the ability to compete in college? Or do I want to go to college and have that experience? Um, cause quite frankly, as, as great as club gymnastics is, there's nothing like college because it's such a team environment. 
Um, for me, that was, that was the goal from day one. As soon as I went to a college meet, I went to one at the university of Florida when I was real young. And I, I told my parents like, that's what I want to do. I want to get a scholarship that's and awesome. I want to do it in college. And that was like, I was never, let me go to the Olympics. I was, I want to get a college scholarship probably from maybe the time I was six or seven. That's crazy. Yeah. I'm trying to think like the, the process of, of, professionalism as as a gymnast uh, in my mind you know there's obviously no league or anything like that but my first thought would be you know like a Cirque du Soleil or like yeah. be, becoming kind of getting into the performer realm at that point point. and you see some That's, you see some former gymnasts um, collegiate or that were high level that do Cirque du Soleil for several years you know while their body can handle it or, or what have you um, so that has yeah. started you know I would say probably in the last Maybe maybe right really in my lifetime in my t- lifetime in, gym, in gymnastics right yeah some of the girls that were in my years in college ended up going to Cirque du Soleil after so that was kind of the but that was the early stages of it so now you see a few more that'll do that right yeah so did you have any other interests growing up when you were a kid as far as careers you mean or yeah, or, like, like, or outside well, of gymnastics you know, like ho- other hobbies. I- Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Cause I know the, the level of commitment was, but I've had other people come on the show and say, you know, things like you wouldn't like, I, I played chess or I, I did yeah. this, I was in this club. Like, what, did you have at the time for any of that? Yeah, I did. You know, I, because I was at a gym that was trying to be balanced. Um, you know, I, I, I did take a lot of my time. I, I did a lot of like crafty type things. Um, we, we were a family that went camping and did stuff like that. So I've always kind of had a a hunger for the outdoors. Um, my, my parents and my family was pretty involved in the community. So I did a good amount of community work, um, and things like that. I was kind of a tomboy. I wasn't, uh, which a lot of gymnasts are, you know, it's like glitter and sparkles and all of that. Right. Um, I'm not that version of the gymnast. I, I did have glitter in college cause they made me, uh, my teammates <laughs> meaning they were like, yes, you're wearing glitter. Um, but I, I wasn't really that kind of a gymnast. And so I was doing, you know, I would go outside and shoot hoops. Uh, when I was yeah. at home hanging out, you know, I, and I, back then it was different, but I did play my fair share of Super Nintendo when I had some free time as well. <laughs> what was your favorite game? I, I would have old school. I think I just go with straight up Donkey Mario, Mario Kart. I think I love. Oh, yeah. Wow. Okay. But yeah, uh, they still uh, have that. me and my brother actually still have our original Nintendo, not even Super Nintendo, like the original Nintendo. And we've, we've, oh, wow. we've passed, he's five and a half years <laughs> older than me. We've passed it back and forth over the years of like, whose turn is it to have it for this decade? You know, so that's legendary. I know yeah. me and my sister, me and my sister used to go off on, we used to play like the, the, dual like teams of like donkey kong and play yeah. the game that was donkey yeah, kong that was, was a good cool. one too yeah with diddy and you'd like slap him in yep. like that was the best <laughs> game ever <laughs> um so did you have a plan for retirement like you have like such a awesome i i you know did some research and saw like your resume and profile on usf and it's just insane like the things that you've accomplished at such an early age. Did you always have a passion in education and higher education to be specific or like where, where's the motivation come from? Uh, you know, I think, I think probably I did, but I was, um, so when I was a freshman in college, I remember I, maybe my second semester, I I remember we were, we were on an away trip somewhere. I remember calling my parents saying, Hey, I think I might want to major in education. And uh, my mom has a lot of friends. My mom is a firefighter. Uh, my dad is an engineer. So they, you know, I grew up kind of with a mom who was in a male dominated area, strong female presence and all that. Um, and my mom was like, are you sure you want to do education? Like, I'm not like, I don't pull it. Like she didn't go against it. She just was kind of questioning. <laughs> um, and, and I, the, the other thing that I was considering was physical therapy. And so I kind of ended up going the physical therapy route initially. Um, I took all those hard sciences, unfortunately. Um, right. I enjoyed them. I did. I did decent in them. I wasn't like the straight A student, but I was a strong, you know, strong mid three student. Um, but mm-hmm. you know, for for physical therapy and for some of those medical things, they legitimately want you having like A pluses in every class. And, uh, probably I was on SAC, the student athlete advisory committee from my freshman year in college on, I was fortunate enough that my coach saw something in me from the get, get go that he, you know, selected me as one of the two people that represent our team. And through the, through that group, I gradually got more and more involved. And by the time I was a junior, um, administrative and administration and staff were starting to pull me to put me on different committees as a student athlete representative. Um, some of them were committees that were across campus, some were within athletics and that, from that point, I, it really opened my eyes outside of just gymnastics and outside of just 
what I, what most student athletes kind of only think about from what they see in a day to day. And so I really saw it at like, wow, why am I kind of suffering in these science classes that I enjoy, but like, why am I killing myself in these when like, this is something that like, I feel called to this. Um, and I'm very, I just feel passionate about it. Like I didn't even think about the career. It's like one of those aha moments where like, I didn't even know I could do a job in something like that. Cause I knew, I I knew I didn't want to be a coach. I don't want to be a strength coach. And so I guess I could have gone the athletic training route, but you know, I just, I saw other things. And so I sat down with my advisor in college um, and we kind of talked, talked to her about it. And she's like, yeah, I think you'd be great. And I originally thought I wanted to be like marketing or development and cause that kind of looks flashier or I don't know, right. like an external, you kind of see that from the outside. And she, yeah. it was the only time in my time that my advisor actually was like, no, that's not what you want to do. Cause she was very like self-guiding, like let you figure it out. And she was like, you want to work in college athletics because of the student athletes. And, and I was like, wow, you're right. So then I it really narrowed down like what areas of college athletics will let me interface and ha- and touch the student athletes on a daily basis. And then that made it pretty easy. So that kind of where it was where academics and student athlete development was was born for me as a career option um, and path because quite frankly, it was like, I don't want to do coaching, athletic training, a strength coach, like none of those are fitting for me. This and then this area does. The one common denominator yeah, and, yeah, was the student athletes. Yep. And it kind of had the crossover with SAC, the student athlete advisory committee and and all the things that we do there. So it just made a lot of sense for like who I was and and what was what what was pulling my passion along. And so I just kind of at that point I dove dove all the way in. What about student athletes do you do you appreciate so much? What because I know for me to kind of answer that question, it would be the trying to, trying to help them because you understand the struggle mm-hmm. at, at some point, you understand where like the little areas of feeling that, that man, if I had this, you know what I mean? Like, man, if I had this, I would have been right down the line and I would have, I would have made this decision. And, you know, you just, you, as you get older, you kind of see where the holes in the game are. Mm-hmm. It's like, you want to give back and help. What, what is that? What's that? relationship to student athletes that you feel? I mean, I think, um, I think the reason that I love college athletics, um, more, I'm not a huge pro sport fan I'm obviously former athletes that go pro. I kind of follow that. Uh, but I just don't enjoy pro sports at all to the level that I do college. And, and the main reason is because you can be the greatest athlete of all time and you only get four seasons in college athletics. And so that the purity and the you know, there's something special about that, that you, that can't be duplicated anywhere else. And so a le- there's a level of passion then that comes. And so you just kind of heard for me where the passion was and how I kind of fell into the career. And, and it was my passion really that made me fall into it. Um, so I think I, I enjoy being around, you know, like-minded people. And, and, and I had such a great experience as a student athlete and learned so much about myself. Um, and, and, and a lot of people were pushing me in all the right ways to make me be great. And I just enjoy the opportunity to be able to do that um, with the student athletes on a, on a daily and regular basis. And, you know, obviously I'm getting older, right. But they keep you young. Um, and so it just keeps you, are. yeah, it Don't just keeps you, it. you but the older you get, like at first when you're starting out in your career and you're doing this, right. You're like, Oh, I'm, I'm not that much older than you. I totally know what you're talking about. And now I'm starting to get to the point where I'm like, okay, can you guys teach me this TikTok? No, <laughs> right. You know, but, yeah. but for real, like it's like always, and yeah, now it changes so, so fast because of the technology piece of it. it. It really is like, can you guys teach me some stuff to keep me, you know, mm. current um, and that kind of thing? Like, let me share with you, but also, you know, being inspired by what they can share back with you. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it, 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 on a daily basis, it's that way. I'm, I'm kind of that nerd that, you know, you have a great conversation with a student athlete. Like right now we're in the process, we're reaching out to some of our seniors or all of our seniors, but we're dividing it up amongst our staff and just checking in with them and making sure their career paths set. And you have a good conversation with some of them and they're just so inspiring. It, like, I'm like the nerd that gets like the goosebumps when they're talking about like, this is what I'm doing or here's what I've learned or yeah. you help me figure this out or whatever. And so um, you know, I kind of nerd out with that, kind of, with that kind of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's awesome. So, so kind of playing off of that, what are you, what are you doing specifically? I know it said, uh, on your resume, I believe I'm right. Assistant athletic director. Yeah. Associate what? AD. No problem. Yeah. Yeah. No big deal. <laughs> PhD. That's yeah. what's up. <laughs> uh, why well, I had a, um, good path to kind of get to where I am. Um, some luck, some design, some hard work, you know, it all kind of came together. Uh, And so when I first graduated, uh, I knew I was going to go right into a master's program and was kind of figuring out which, where I was going to go to do that and had a few pieces lined up. And 
had a mentor who was a senior woman administrator at Mizzou. Um, in fact, she still is in that role there. And she said to me, you know, I was really having a hard time. I felt, I felt like I had to go somewhere else. And tr- truthfully, OU was the place I was probably going to go. Um, and she said, you know, we already know you here. We're going to let you get involved at a much deeper level. Have you thought that you could have more development somewhere where you don't have to reinvent the wheel and rebuild all those relationships? And I was like, it was like an aha moment for me. Like, wow, you're so right. I could have a much deeper experience and stay, stay here. Um, and so that's what I ended up doing. I stayed at Mizzou, got my master's, worked in academics and student athlete development there. And really my career goal, kind of the end goal was to be in that kind of role that she was, um, a senior woman administrator. I have a passion for women's sports. Um, you know, that you deal with title nine stuff, you deal with, mm-hmm. you know, you're just kind of, you're the highest ranking female in the department, so to speak. And so that was kind of my end goal. And, and then a job came up in Louisiana. Um, and I had, I, I, my boyfriend at the time was living in Louisiana. And so I kind of put feelers out, Hey, if you see any, if you guys see anything that makes you think of me in Louisiana, let me know. And, and the SWA, the senior woman administrator at Mizzou was like, Hey, this job is open and it's an SWA gig and it's over academics and student athlete development. And I was like, I was 24. Wow. I, was, I was like, they're not going to hire. It was division one. It's at Northwestern state university, smaller division one school in Louisiana. I was like, I'm 24. They're never going to hire me for a job like that, but I'll sure, sure go interview and knock their socks yeah. off. Um, so that's what I did. I prepared my booty off for that interview. Um, and then they called me the next day and offered me the job. So wow. I was real fortunate to have a position like that. Um, and the AD there, he's still there, um, really took me under his wing and, um, treating me as an equal, you know, it wasn't like, oh, you're young and you are, you know, he, he really valued and, and wanted to know what my thoughts were on stuff and decision-making coaching hires. Um, you know, we did, we hired several head coaches during my time there, had to fire a few, um, you know, really letting me run with the academic program and all that. So I got like unbelievable experience at a very young age. And then the stars kind of aligned and some of our old administrators, Bill McGillis, I don't know if, you remember him or yeah, I think you were his era. So Bill McGillis actually cold called Mizzou and said, Hey, we've had this position open. We're looking, um, this is kind of what we're looking for. And we've gone through the ringer and we haven't been able to find the right fit. And he happened to cold call my old boss and he's like, Oh, I have the perfect person. And she's from Tampa. So the stuff for me, has kind of just worked out that way. Um, so I've been very fortunate with how the stars have aligned. Um, and when I first came back to USF, I I was on the academic side and then charged with developing, um, what we call our student athlete enhancement programming that we have today. Um, they were doing some stuff in the student athlete enhancement programs, um, but they, or they were doing stuff in that area, but we didn't have a, like a full fledged program. It was kind of ad hoc as they could do it. Um, and so Mm -hmm. the AD, um, Doug Woolard back then, he was like, we need you to develop this. So that was my, that my charge was academics and oversight with some of that. And I specifically worked with men's basketball and then to develop all the programs that, that we kind of have now with, with, uh, the enhancing you program and the Selma mentoring Institute and all that. Right. So you came back in, in 2011, if I'm correct, USF. Okay. Yeah. I was still going to school there. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. Right. And I was probably, I was like, so you graduated, like 2000, I, well, I got my degree in 2011, but I played a whole nother year after that. After that. Okay. I was going to say you were probably finishing up right as I was getting like my feet wet. So like I probably crossed paths, but I didn't, you know, I was on the basketball side more. So yeah. Yeah. And I didn't, I'm bummed. I missed (laughs) you. No, that's all good. Um, so can you explain a little bit more? Cause what, you know, from one of the, the episodes that's gone out and people will hear this over time, but uh, I was talking to a former player, Mac Jilbegovich, yep. and he told me about the Leroy Selman program. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me and the listeners more about that? I am so excited about this and would love to hear it. Yeah. Um, so obviously, you know, we, we, were, we, we launched the, we were prepping to launch the Enhancing You program. Um, and this is back in, uh, gosh, I started in 2011. So we really did launch that part then. And it was the year that Leroy passed. Um, Mm. And so we were, Leroy, myself and Brian Clark, who was on our advising staff at the time, and he played in the NFL and stuff. um, He and I kind of worked together, developed the Enhancing You program. And then we, we, but we also worked with Leroy. We were developing it, but like in conjunction with Leroy, talking to him about it a lot, because when he was the AD, it was a big passion that he really wanted to develop this and never, and just didn't get to it. So he was, very excited that we are developing it. And so we, the very first event that we did with Enhancing You was a finance workshop. 
um, that Leroy helped. We worked with Leroy to set up. And then he passed about two or three weeks before that workshop was set to take place. Mm. And so, um, you know, you know, it rocked the world from a USF perspective in the, in the local community and beyond um, to yeah. lose such an amazing human being. Um, I felt fortunate that I got to work with him for eight or nine months before that happened. Um, and, we you know, I was growing up here. Yeah, exactly. Yep. I was there too. And, yeah. And, we went to his funeral as a team and there was mm-hmm. so many people yeah. there to pay their respect. It was for that powerful. Guy. I was just like, and every time I met him, man, he always remembered my name. He was, and I barely, you know, like I mentioned, like I got hurt all the time. So I barely even got a feel, but for him to remember me and, and yeah. you know, he was, He's such an awesome guy. Like such a beautiful people, soul. People that never got a chance to meet him never really. I know. Like, I know. And, and that's why I'm so thankful to have some of the programs like what we have to be able to kind of keep his legacy and memory alive. And it gives us a space to, you know, tell the student athletes about him. Of course, telling them about him is we don't hold a candle to what he would do himself if he was still here. And I trade that any day. Um, but at least we have a, an avenue to to honor him and kind of keep his legacy going. So Initially, when he passed, uh, it was only, we had the Enhancing You program, but it was like literally launching when that happened. And right. so um, we had a, a few folks who kind of said, hey, we want to do something to honor him, but we don't, like right now is too soon. Like we don't really know what we want to do. So we're just going to let you guys know that and we're going to hit pause and then we'll follow back up maybe at the end of the year or something. And so mm-hmm. it was the summertime after that year. Um, so I would say, the, I guess in 2012, summer of 2012. And, uh, it was, it was Saturday and Doug Ward called me on my cell and said, Hey, remember when the, remember we had some folks that wanted to put, put up some money and, and get something started in Leroy's name. He said, they've come back now and they, and, and I agree with, we're on the same page about where we want to do that. And this, the subject area would be mentoring since that was Leroy's passion. You know, yes. like, like you said, he knew your name, he knew who you were. That's how he was with everybody. And he was never too busy yeah. staff or student athlete to walk in and just sit there and mentor anybody, have a, have a conversation about life, whatever it might be. And so that was the, that was, that's when the idea for that was kind of born. He said, can you please build what a program, what you think a good program would look like? And then we'll kind of go from there and we'll pitch it and and, and, and move into launching and that kind of stuff. So uh, I'll be honest with you. We were one year into enhancing you at that point, which is kind of the umbrella program that serves all student athletes. And then this elementary mm-hmm. is more, is a more, um, focused program that, that student, student athletes apply to be a part of. And so I was kind of like, it, it feels a little early, uh, you know, in our programming stages to do that, but you run with it and you know, you, you yeah. seize the day. And so we did that. We put, we, we, we put the program together and really developed it to the best that we could, could come up with, pitched it. Everybody loved it. Um, including Clabra, like the family, I'm very close with Clabra Selman, Leroy's wife. Um, their whole family has been involved from, from the day one and continue to be, um, Honestly, Claybra's like family to me. I, I love her to, to pieces. And so that's been a really nice piece too, as we've kind of grown and developed the program. So essentially how the program works, um, and it's kind of evolved. So I'll kind of describe how it is now, but it's, it's evolved a little bit. Um, student athletes apply for it, as I noted. Really, the application is just stating that they're interested because we don't we want to make sure that student athletes who are going to be in it are, are invested. Um, yes, we're, not, we're not trying to force them. We want to make sure that they're invested. And so they, mm-hmm. they do a short application um, and Chris and Harris is on our staff. Um, and so she's the current person overseeing the program and is doing a phenomenal job. Um, and so she does a lot of one-on-one talks with them and kind of explains what it will look like, but they apply and we, we kind of have most student athletes taking it. Some of them are, are it's kind of when they're ready in their time in college. Some of them are ready earlier. They're like, I'm, I'm going on my sophomore year. I'm already ready to kind of hit the ground running with this kind of thing. And some of them are ready you know, when they're a little bit older. So they might be juniors and sometimes seniors, but usually we want them to take the first class their sophomore, junior year. So how the, how it's set up is they take, it's a two class um, program. So they take the first class, which is two credits. And then the second class, which is one credit in that first class, it's, it's a semester long class, one day a week for a couple hours, like kind of like it's, it's an evening class. So for Mm -hmm. for everybody to go back to what it felt like to be in college again. Um, So they, they go to class every Monday and Kristen teaches the class. And it's a mix of different sports, of course. Every sport's been involved over the years. And um, they're really focusing in on three things. The first segment of that class is really digging deep on who they are. Um, so really finding out what their top strengths are. What are what do you value? But not just like, oh, I value this. Really digging in on that. Like, I va- here's my top values and why. Um, really digging in on their personality type. You know, things like that. So they get a pretty good picture of this is, you know, for me, who Jody Libidisos is in this current state. Uh, and then 
The second segment is really doing some career exploration. So now that you feel pretty good and know with some concrete evidence of who you are, what careers, what were you thinking before? What might you think now? Um, let's align some of your skill sets and what you've learned about yourself with careers because uh, you know the study, studies show that if your interests, abilities, and values are in alignment with your job, um, or the closer those three things are into alignment, the happier you're going to be with your job. And those can be ranked Absolutely. in different orders and all that stuff. So we really teach them about that. So do some career exploration. And then the third segment, they're really focusing on building what we call their five-year game plan. So we really equate it to athletics, life, right? You're making a game plan for every game. So we're doing the same thing mm -hmm. for life. Um, and so they really dig deep on looking at those career pieces, who they are, what, where do you see yourself five years from now? So they might be a sophomore, they might be a junior, they might be a senior. Fast forward five years, where do you see yourself? And then we want we make them put together a detailed plan with goals and objectives of, of how they're going to get there, at least some key components of how they're going to get there. So they do that, they present it, um, they get feedback and all that kind of stuff in the class. And then you go to the second class, which how we're, how we try to run it. And of course, we have to sometimes finagle because students have different needs or they have a class that conflicts or whatever. Um, but we try to have it where they're met the mentoring piece, which is the next class. It's more seminar that comes in their off season. So we try to have them take the first class during their season and then immediately take the second piece during their off season. And that's, like I said, a mentorship component. Um, so we match them with a mentor based on that five-year plan. Um, and, and, and so a lot of student athletes, sometimes you, you know how you can think back, they're like kind of afraid to commit, you know, like, but I might want to do this or I might want to do this or I might want to do that. Like, that's fine. Pick one. Like we'll help mm -hmm. you pick one and, and you go and you do the mentorship and some student athletes find this is exactly what I thought it was going to be. I'm, I love it. And some student athletes find, oh my gosh, this is not at all what I thought it was going to be. I need to like totally scrap that and go somewhere else. Both mm -hmm. of those are wins for us. So sometimes people will be like, well, yeah. how many student athletes are you placing in the same place as a mentorship? And I'm like, that's not our goal. Our goal no. is to offer for student athletes who don't have much opportunity because they're so busy, real world experience and connection yes. with, with professionals so that they can learn what is it going to feel like to be in a career like this and pick somebody's brain about it and go and meet their colleagues and that kind of a thing um, and figure that out one way or the other earlier on in the process. So they tend to love the mentoring experience. Um, based, obviously, it's a class for credit. So we require that they meet with their mentor um, a total of six times at, at a minimum throughout the semester. Our hope is that they can continue that relationship beyond, but it's kind of up to them and their mentor. Um, and then they have a couple of check-in classes um, that Kristen will do where she'll bring in guest speakers and things like that on different topics. Uh, we drill a little bit deeper with them on things like finances and job offers and mock interviews and all that kind of stuff. So we do that stuff too. Where do you guys get the, where do you pull the mentors from? Do you guys arrange that? You guys like kind of search out and, and kind of seek people within the community, alumni, stuff like that? Yeah, great question. Um, you know, obviously it's a moving target all the time. And there's other, there's not another program that we're aware of that's a mentor program like this um, around the country. Uh, no, we, I've been looking. I can't yeah, find anything. They have a lot yeah, of peer mentoring, you know, where the they'll have a senior mentoring an undergrad or something or a freshman or something like that. But they don't have the mentoring program like this. There are some more academic mentoring programs and we like our business school has a pretty strong mentoring program uh, at USF. So we did talk to them when we were developing this. Um, but the difference is they're all, they're looking for all business mentors, right? So it's a little easier to funnel that where in athletics, we're looking from anything from business to health to honestly, some former, some professional athletes and things like that for the students who are like very serious about that piece. Um, you know, all over, just you all over the gamut. And so, yeah. um, I'll remember, I remember one, one semester we had someone who wanted to do like, um, marine biology research, like out on a boat. Well, how do you yeah. find a mentor, you know, for that? So we have a pretty good database, um, but we're constantly looking to grow that. Uh, so, you know, if, if anyone's listening is interested in becoming a mentor, we would love to have you, we, you know, we, uh, alums would be our preference because you guys have done literally walked the same path as the, Everything. As the athlete. Yeah. Yep. Um, and we'll talk, I, I do the varsity club, so we can talk about that later, but, um, you know, we're really looking to continue to grow that. But, but honestly, what happens is, as I said, they create that five-year plan. And so sometimes we go, okay, we don't have the perfect match already in our database. We have to go find the right match for this, this student athlete to make sure it's a great experience. And it doesn't just boil down to career field match. You know, it really has to be we want to make sure that we think their personalities are going to jive as well too. So yes. we ask student athletes, you know, what are you more, what are you most comfortable with, you know, from personality types, you know, honestly, we ask male and female and things like that because that matters for it to be an impactful experience for them as a student yes. athlete as well.
What I, I, you mentioned that the first stage was figuring out people's personalities. Mm -hmm. I always wondered that's a, in the line of work that I do, I'm an instructional designer. So I help put together like higher ed courses. I always wondered how do you guys assess people's personalities and what do you guys find to be like an accurate method of that? Cause I know on, I've, I've taken actually recently for a class that I was taking a personality test that said, you know, uh, it was like a four quadrant test. Mm-hmm. I can't remember exactly disc? what it was, but it, yes, yeah. that one. I, I've taken yeah. this one. I, I've done that. And then I, because I, I went to school at WGU and I just ended up getting my MBA for it, but they had uh, one of the most accurate, I got to bring that up to you. I'll, I'll email that to you yeah. after we get done talking about this. But how do you guys do that at USF? Well, we have a, cu- we have a couple different avenues that we take, but sp- like we have a leadership academy. So we do a different personality piece there. Cause we have, we have really rich programming, to be honest with you. Um, I would put a lot of Sounds our, like it. I would put a lot of our programs up against, you know, even a lot of power five schools that have a larger staff than us and, and things like that. That makes me so proud yeah. as an alumni. Yeah. You have no idea that makes me like, ser- it seriously like touches my heart to, to know because that transition into life is so gnarly. And a lot of people don't understand it. Mm-hmm. If you go out there just flopping around, the fact that my school is like, heading this thing up and, mm-hmm. and trying to make an impact is so very, very meaningful. Well, thank me. you. That, that means yeah. a lot. Uh, you know, like, well, honestly, and I am from here, um, uh, but you know, in college athletics to move up, you tend to move around. Um, but mm-hmm. I've stayed here and stayed put uh, as long as I have, frankly, because we've continued to grow. Um, and there is, a, it, it is not like, like I said, it started, I've been here a decade almost, I've been uh, over nine years. And so it's, I started under Doug Woolard then under Mark Harlan, now under Michael Kelly. Um, those are three very different ADs that come from very different backgrounds and all of that. And it's not just re- attached to the athletic director that this kind of program is important. It's embedded in our culture. And I'm sure that yes. um, a lot of that is because of Leroy. Uh, and, and so that there's something that, see, I'm nerding. I'm, I'm getting t- chills right now because I nerd out like oh, that. But it, that's it, brilliant. There's so much meaning to that. Um, and, and that matters kind of more to me than just working my way up the ladder. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's really been a, a conscious decision to stay here and dig in and, and fully develop all of our programming to the place that we could do it. Um, and so, you know, it, I'm, I'm, it, it warms my heart to, for you to say that you're proud that way. Um, cause that's exactly what we're trying to do. And, and you know, the hardest thing about our job is the student athletes, uh, you have the, some that are like, yes, let me take adva- full advantage of you this. You got to set the here. hook. Yeah. That's but, the first issue that I thought in my head was, okay, this is amazing. This is an amazing tool. And I'm glad that we're getting this out here in this kind of format. But for me as a student athlete, it was like you said, how, how in, earlier in the discussion, we were talking about the connection and how it keeps changing with mm-hmm. TikTok and all these different technologies. I'm sure you guys have that have, have at least begun thinking about that piece is to better connect to these students. Mm-hmm. But that's what I, in my own opinion, it was getting the student athlete there yep. to these meetings. And, and for me, I didn't even, I don't think we had anything quite like, like we this. didn't. Yeah. Back when I was around, yep. but you know, to, I would, if it was in front of my face, cause I, you know, as a student athlete, you got a million so things busy. going on in your head, yep. your, your brain, is young and it's flying at light speed because you want to play so bad. And you know, you know, the things that you have to juggle. So to get it plainly in their face is like so important. What are you guys doing, I guess, to kind of look at this? Like, (laughs) well, I mean, we really, uh, that's a few, probably about five years ago now, um, more and more programs are starting to do it this way. I think I luckily was on like kind of the front edge of thinking this way, but what tends to happen in the area, we call our student athlete enhancement, but across the country, it's student athlete development. So it, we're life skills. It's all interchangeable. It's the same thing. Right. Um, but people in our field um, tend to get the, we're like the catch all, you know, oh, it doesn't fit into a nice square around. It's a, it doesn't fit into this hole and this hole and this hole. So we're going to go ahead and put it in student athlete development. And you guys can kind of handle that piece, whether it be education, you know, nominations of honors and award, like there's just all different things. And it kind of tends to fall in our, in our area. And so you have, and everybody's telling you, oh, you should do something on this topic and this topic. And it's like, as soon as you start doing something on everything, you're, you're diluting what you're doing. And so probably about five, six years ago, I said, you know, we can't do that. 
we, we, yes, all those things are important. I a hundred percent agree with you, but we really need to dwindle down and figure out for USF and the culture that we have here, what's most important. So I did a survey, um, with all our coaches, with a handful of student athletes, with some other staff members. And we really, we broke it down and I said, and I broke it into different topics. Our, our main areas that were focused on our career development, leadership, um, doing stuff in the community and then what we call personal enhancement. So that's like things like financial nutrition, mental health, some of those other areas. Um, so those are kind of the pillars of the program. So I broke then from each of those pillars, what, what is most important and had the department, the department basically weigh in on that and rank things. And from there mm. we created programming in what we call a green track and a gold track. So the green track, everybody does. It's very minimal. It's less than 1% of your time. I made a pie chart so everyone would know of all the things that you're involved okay. in all year. I'm asking for right. less than 1% of your time. Um, and that's required. It's part of what it means to be a bull. And so it is, it's, it's kind of the bare minimum. When, when we see you walk across that stage and earn that degree, we want to know that you've had these minimum experiences and the, yes. these minimum preparation pieces. So that's what we know everybody's going to have. And then the gold track is for our high achievers or those that want to do more, which we want them to do, but we're not going to force it. Um, and that is a lot more. So the Selman Mentor Institute is under that gold track piece. Um, but t- what you tend to see is they, they do some, of the, a lot of them, they do some of the green track and, and they, they used to tell me, well, if you make me go, I'll go. But if you don't make me go and I have the choice, then I'm not going to do it because I just want the night off. Right. right? And a lot of our stuff yeah. to be in the evening. Yeah. You're really like, get it. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. Honestly, when I was an athlete, the reason I went is because I cared about the staff that were doing it. I, in my mind, I was like, I, 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 my resume is great. I don't need to go to get help on my resume. And then I went just to help them. And then I was like, man, I'm a, I'm a dummy. My resume really needed work. You know what I mean? I just thought yeah. I had it all figured out. Um, and so they, they tend to, re- so we have some stuff that's required and they come to, and then they come to that. And then we have some stuff that's not. And so you have uh, the spectrum, you know, you have some kids that are, you know, not wanting to come to the required stuff you can tell it made an impact on them and they still don't fully want to admit it. And, but the vast majority of them, once they get there are like, man, I'm so glad I came And a perfect example, especially with football. We do something called dine like a pro. I don't know if any, if Mac or anybody else has talked about it, but it's at the Columbia. Um, so we bust them down to the oh. Columbia and we do everything. I should say we've set our programming up. Our staff does a lot more work. So we offer everything twice a semester. Um, so we're pretty much like for football, we're focused on football participating in the spring. So we're pretty much leaving you alone outside of having a, oh, a full-fledged okay. speaker. If we bring it, yes, if we pay to bring brilliant. a speaker in for the whole department and it happens to be in the fall, then the fall sports are coming to that too. Um, but lo- most of the time we're not doing that. That's like, you know, far and few between. So we, yeah. we really focus in on each sport when you're in your off season. And that was a big piece yes. to help the coaches have buy-in and feel really good about being able to get behind it too, so that it, it's more balanced for everybody. Um, and so it, for in the spring, we have the Dine Like a Pro for, for the fall sports and uh, football all those guys when you're first telling them, hey, this is what I have to go to. It's an etiquette dinner. It's business etiquette. So it's not, you know, learning how to eat at your grandma's house to impress them or something. It's, it's learning how to eat professionally so you can be in an interview setting and, and have your where with, you know, whereabouts. And if the people you're dining right. with have super high etiquette, you can raise to that. And if they're a little bit lower, you can, you know, it's just making people feel comfortable and you being comfortable. Um, and so they go to that, they do like a mix, a mixer in the beginning with professionals. We get professionals based on the majors that we have, and then they're, they work the room. Right. And then we put two professionals per table and the student athletes can choose what table they want to sit at. Um, so the football players tend to really shy away from this. <laughs> you know, I don't, I no, Miss Chris and Miss Joey, I, I don't want to go. I don't want to do it. He oh, is. I got to wear slacks yeah. for that. No, I don't want to do that. You know, <laughs> and then you get them there. And, uh, you know, they, they, they're a little shy at first, some of them, some of them are great. And then they kind of get pulled out of their shell and they realize, uh, you know, wow, I can talk about other things than football. And they, you kind of see their confidence build. The same thing happens with resumes. I don't have anything yeah. to put on a resume. I've never had a job. Yes, you do. You go to, you do football every day. That is a job. We're going to teach you how to articulate yeah. that in an authentic way on your resume. Um, you know, so they kind of walk in like, hey, I have to do a resume. And then they walk out with their chest puffed out. Like, I just have my resume. Look at this. Um, yeah. and the same thing kind of happens with dying like a pro and they, and they love it. And they're like, this is one of the best things I've ever done. Um, and so, you know, that it's stuff like that, that really helps them kind of get their mind right. But there will always be those ones that, you know, are very like, I'm going pro and nothing else matters. And mm-hmm. that's great. We don't want to pull that away. You're still going to go to the required pieces. So we know that you've got some experiences, but yeah. I also will be waiting for your phone call at some point in time if it's, you know, 10 years from now and you've had a great pro career and then you're calling later on and saying, hey, you know, I want to figure out what I'm doing now. That's fine. 
Um, and we've had that happen quite a bit. Um, or guys that go down their own path and then kind of get lost a little bit. And then they're always welcome. Whether And, and you know, wow, some of the older guys, if you guys, so if you guys find yourself being lost and don't know what to do and just want a third party to help you figure it out, that's what we're here for, for current athletes and wow. runs, for sure. That's amazing. Yeah. I, I was going to think about asking you that, but I just kind of assume that, you know, the other programs, that's kind of part of the hurt about being a football player or, or, you know, I can only speak as a football player, but that's part of the hurt of graduating and being done is you feel like you put your body on the line for the yeah. school. And then there's that disconnect where it's like, they're like kind of pushing you off on the boat and waving goodbye. And mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, Hey, always wave that USF flag, but you know, now you're on your own, but to hear, and that's not just USF, that's everywhere yeah. from any college that I've ever heard. So to hear that you guys are kind of changing the the game on that, changing the perspective, that's yeah. huge. Well, I wonder, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, you guys do the dining thing, which mm-hmm. the Columbia has one of the best like ham Cuban salads I've ever yeah, had. Yeah, we have that life. every so, time. Yep. Oh, the 1905 that's that's, salad. Yeah, yeah. That's, what's, that's what they're known for. That thing is amazing. Yep. But I was wondering... Uh, do you, have you guys ever tried like a shadowing program? Like say someone was interested in getting into like finance or banking Mm -hmm. or something like that, or being a doctor, do you have any of the like shadowing placements or is that included with the mentor? That's kind of what they're doing in the mentoring program. Um, you know, so typically that's where that's happening, but we also, we have a ton of other programs that I haven't even touched scratch the surface. It would take me hours to go through everything that we can do, but we also, um, are doing, we do them kind of, we have to, we have to put together a schedule, right? And there's, you believe it or not, there's only like 10 or 12 dates that you can use every semester that kind of work where you're not pushing out certain teams because they have meets or competitions or whatever. Um, but we've started, we've kind of done it hit or miss depending on the semester, but career field trips where we'll take a small group out somewhere, um, and, and kind of let them go and like for the day and that kind of thing. We had a really good, I don't want to let the cat out of the bag because we didn't really publicly announce it, but we have some alums who are very high up on some corporate pieces um, where we're looking at doing a more, a much larger scale um, type of, of same kind of thing where they could do kind of a, a field trip. It would be for a few days and going somewhere um, over a few days to do that in the summer, like a mini internship type thing. Um, so we're looking into stuff like that for sure. Um, but for but also part of the reason when we're talking about alums and, and we're always here to help alums no matter what but we also need our alums to help our current athletes. And so I mentioned that I oversee the varsity club now. Um, that was a very strategic and kind of innovative decision um, that we made when Michael came on board. I kind of pitched the idea to Michael and Layla Prado, who's over our, our Bulls club fundraising unit, um, used to be our baseball coach when you were here. Um, but I kind of pitched it to them and said, hey, this is a handful of schools do this around the country. It's a little bit different. Uh, what is this called now? Just to clarify so the, the what Bulls, is Var- the Bulls varsity club. So that's our student varsity athlete club. alumni. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it is, um, it is, it's, it's been around for probably about 15 or 20 years. Cause we're so young as us for USF, but typically right. around the country, you see the varsity club, they're all called different things, but it's a varsity club. Essentially you see them typically housed in the fundraising unit of athletics, which is great. Cause usually you're paying some small donation to be a member and the money either goes to events for the club or in our case, we've just recently changed it where you're, it's actually a donation. It goes directly to your team. Um, so felt mm-hmm. like that made more sense for our alums to actually feel like they're helping their team. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we moved it. Uh, but the reason we moved it was to have alumni like the student, you guys, it's a little different for, you know, if you're older, cause I didn't get to know you, but we get to know right. the student athletes when they're here. So why hand them off to somebody else from an engagement perspective when they leave? Now we just maintain the engagement perspective with us. Um, but we also want to pull our alums back in for, to be mentors. You know, we're trying to build a database um, over the next year or two where we kind of really get a feel for what all of our alums are doing in different career fields. So we have a student athlete come in and say, I'm, I'm interested in doing this. Well, we can pull that up real fast and be like, well, we have a baseball player, a softball player, a volleyball player, and a football player that are in that, you know, who do you want to talk to and give them a, and yeah. just link them in a, on the phone or like this, you know? um, on, on zoom, on a zoom call, since we all know those so well now. Yeah. This is my meeting. (laughs) Yeah. Doing those kind of things. So those in some ways, yes, the shadow, it's a long winded answer, I guess, to your question, but the shadowing can happen on so many different avenues. Um, and then this would be like a connection piece that also re-engages our alums because I don't know about you. Like I would love to engage with some, some Mizzou athletes too. I'm always going to be here to help USF, but you know what I mean? It's, it's your alma mater. So if they ever called me and said, Hey, we have, 
an athlete that is interested in college athletics and we don't want them to just talk to people here. They already know. Can you talk to them? I'd be all about it. Um, that's like a software idea. Like, uh, maybe you could do like a Microsoft teams and like, Oh, Jody is a part of Missouri's alumni and mm -hmm. she's also current a part of USF. I'm a part of USF and then mm -hmm. kind of have them communicate through that. That'd be so cool man, yeah. to be able to, to network like that. Yeah. Cause so much of this is, yeah, you graduated from USF and you have that network of the people that you knew while you were in school. Mm -hmm. And then it kind of blossoms from that. But to be able to connect the old alumni, because there were people, you know, playing sports back in the 80s for yep. USF, you know, they could come back and, and talk to these guys. And I don't know how they do it outside of football, because football's still very young yeah. at USF. But, you know, just to be able to, like you said, connect that two sides of the alumni there is, is exactly is super cool. I'm glad you guys are doing that. Yeah. So uh, if we haven't engaged with you in a while, all of our football alums out there, we're coming for you and we want you to be engaged and we want you to, to dial back in with us. Cause we definitely care. You're always bulls to us though. So. We appreciate that. Definitely. And I'm, I'm so glad that you decided to take the time uh, to, to hop on and, and talk about all this on the podcast. Um, as we kind of wrap this up a little bit, I always try and ask these last two questions of number one, what advice would you offer to a student athlete to support their transition into retirement? Like what, what would be like some solid advice for someone besides, you know, obviously sign up for the Leroy Selman program and, and the, yeah, I think, um, I think back to like kind of what inadvertently, what advice I ended up giving myself. Um, hmm. I think, I think what I like to tell them is, is you have to, cause it depends on their personality. Like some people need to be reeled back in a little bit, you know, like you're not going to, Hey, you're not going to get that hundred thousand dollar job right out of the gate. You're gonna have to work up to that. Um, but some people you need to push a little bit further. And so really looking themselves in the mirror, um, two, I'll say two different things, but really looking themselves in the mirror and kind of not being afraid to go for the, the stretch job. Uh, that's what I did. And I'm getting it. I never thought in a million years I would. And it fast tracked, you know, what, what I was doing from a career perspective. And, you know, when they hired me, I kind of had that, like, oh man, like I have a lot of responsibility. Like, you know, I've got to get the, you know, it, it was a lot. I mean, for, for someone so young, yeah. I had to go toe to toe with head coaches at 24 years old at a division one school. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah. intimidating. Um, but you just, um, take it on and, and you don't, you don't go about it cocky, but you go, go in with confidence and then you back the confidence. So is getting on a balance beam, I imagine, <laughs> in front of yeah. a crowd of SEC. Yeah, but that's not talking, fans. you know, that's different. Well, us athletes can Still do the nonverbals every time, you know, that's what we're good at. That's a good point as well. Yeah, that's a very good point. We could definitely like hop in there. Speaking of that, I, I think I forgot to ask, do you still maintain physical activity? I know we're kind of going through this whole pandemic yeah. thing, but that's always part of the line of questioning. I ask everyone. Yeah. I, I, do you, I, intermittently, I'll be honest with you. I'm not as good as I would like to be. And it's not because I don't, I don't, I'm not a gym, like going to the gym and, and lifting weights. The only time I ever lifted weights in my whole life was in college. Cause in gymnastics, mm -hmm. every, you know, everyone does CrossFit now. And I'm like, all y'all are doing is gymnastics conditioning. That's CrossFit. That's what I did my whole <laughs> life, you know? Yeah. Um, so I can kind of do that kind of thing by myself. I've been doing it my whole life. Um, I, but I, I just, it's, it's not, it's like a stress for stressor to me. Um, right. the one thing I do enjoy is running. Um, and so I do, I've, I've run a half marathon and I do like lots of races and things like that. Um, since having a, my daughter's two and a half. So since having her and working in college athletics, it's been a little bit harder to keep a steady right. rhythm with all of that. So I do it. It's just kind of intermittent. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Well, so you kind of answered both my last questions. Uh, my last question was going to be, what advice would you give yourself? And I imagine like you, like you mentioned, it would be, you know, the same advice that you would give other student athletes. Is there anything else that you would like to like to put out there before we close this thing out? Yeah. Well, the one, the second part, the second piece of advice that I was thinking is um, oh. when you come to a crossroads, because, um, you know, as you transition out, I think the hardest there's the hardest part is everything's been so linear. You know, it's like you knew that mm -hmm. you, you, you probably knew once you got serious in your sport that you wanted to do it at a high level and probably at a college level, maybe at a professional level, you know, every day, every day it's linear. You get out of bed and you know what your schedule is. Your coaches tell you what to do. You do what you're supposed to do and you go to bed feeling pretty darn good because you feel fulfilled about what you did. And as you know, when you get out into the real world and away from that environment, it is not that way. It's not linear at all. And it never will be in the same way again. Um, right. and so there's a lot of pieces that can be, it can make you feel off 
and like you're not doing or you don't you don't feel as you fulfill you end up feeling fulfilled but fulfilled in different ways and it takes quite a while to kind of get that figured out and a lot of athletes tend to struggle during that time frame so remembering that that's normal and that that's something that everybody goes through but really when i talked a lot about the um, in the Salmon mentor institute we have them dig deep on their values um I really remind our student athletes and I have to remind myself as well because you teach it sometimes, but then you don't live it yourself. When you get to crossroads where you have to make super important decisions, go back to what your values were and, and, and revisit your values every few years because they will adjust as you have different things come up in life. You know, you, you get married or you have kids or you, you have major job situation or you move somewhere different. Like they will change when you have life events happen. So kind of revisit them when you're in a steady mindset. And then when you, when you have to make big decisions, go back and say, what literally pull it out and look at, write them down. What are my values? Like my top five values are listed on my board in my office. I look at them all the time. And as a matter of fact, I have USF's values and I look at where they align, you know? Mm. Um, and, and so that matters, but when you have to make big decisions, go back to your values. And typically that will make the decision a lot more clear instead of getting so lost in like, what's the right thing to do. If you go and look at what aligns with what your values are, you, it'll be it'll become a lot more clear and a lot easier to make some of those it, uh, decisions through a transition time. So that would be another piece that I would say. Um, That's like the closest to your core. That makes sense. It's yeah. like when everything kind of gets cloudy because sure it certainly does as an athlete when you're done playing football and then all of a sudden you're kind of like, okay, now I got to go find a job, which is yep. like similar to my situation. I didn't really have a plan. And I was yep. kind of like you said, it's not linear anymore. It's mm -hmm. like, Hey, we just, you know, you've been swimming in this little pond your whole life down this stream and now you're in the ocean and it's mm -hmm. like either get eaten or, you know, and, and just, I, I really appreciate that advice. And I think it's going to, it's going to reverberate big time through, through anyone that's listening to the show. Awesome. Uh, yeah. Very well, cool. The only thing I would add is, as I kind of said, you know, any of our alums that, you know, if I can, if, if I or my staff or anybody can be, you know, of any kind of help assistance, if you just want to catch up and re-engage, um, you know, I know we've had, how could they contact you? Um, how, could, how could we get in contact? Yeah. Well, my, my email is listed on the website, um, under Jody Libadisos under student athlete enhancement. Um, it is jlibadisos at usf.edu. Um, my phone number, uh, it, my office number is 813-974-8185. Uh, so you can always call me there. Um, and we can get connected that way as well. So, but just know, uh, you know, you're never too old. You're never too far removed. Um, whether we know you, whether I, you know, whether I got the opportunity to work alongside you or not, um, you know, we're always here we're, we are a family, especially at times like this, that, you know, I'm sure it puts it back into perspective for everybody. And we all have such great memories and we're all connected through being college athletes. Uh, not, not everybody can say that. So I, I, when I took over the varsity club, that's what I said. I hope you guys can accept me. Cause I, I am a, I am a former division one student athlete, an athlete and I yeah. am a USF alum. Cause I got my PhD here. I'm just not the USF former student athlete. So I hope we can combine the two and we can all be, you know, one happy family. So, but just know Definitely. that uh, we genuinely mean it. Um, and, and we'd love to even just reconnect. We don't even have to have a, an agenda. Just reconnecting would be great. Like I said, there has not been one person that I haven't brought this up to and told in the in the history of these interviews. And and when they play out, everyone will be able to get to hear how this kind of progressed. But I've been so excited to get you on the show. And everyone that I've told has been so excited about what you guys are doing. And I think, you know, it it kind of gets overlooked sometimes, but you guys are right in the same vein as as why I wanted to start this show and and just help these student athletes. And you guys are really, really knocking the ball out of the park. You guys are crushing it. And I can't say thank you enough for what you guys are doing. Yeah, thank well, you so much for that. Thank you. And thank you for, you know, doing what you're doing because you're doing it in your extra time. And, you know, it's proving your passion um, for for yeah. sports, USF and everything in between. So we appreciate you doing it this as well. And just talking, yeah. you know, it's just, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like talking, getting to know, know new people and finding out you know, what, what their path in life has been like. And like you said, the key denominator for all of us is that, you know, we're all athletes and had committed to that passion. And all of us, the same thing that all of us went through was the transition out of sport. And it's like, some people did it well, and some people mm -hmm. didn't do it so well. And I want everyone to be able to hear and, and make their own judgments from conversations like this mm -hmm. as to, Hey, if, you know, you want to hear a former gym owner, listen to the episode three or, you know what I mean? Just yep. be able to decipher for themselves information that 
you know, they can piece together and use if they want to use. And if they don't want to use it, they don't want to use it. So, yeah. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you again so much for coming on. I appreciate it. And, and good luck to you and, and all your ventures, you know, um, everything. Thank you so much for this. Thank you. Go Bulls, everybody. Go Bulls. (laughs) Thank you all again for tuning in this episode of the podcast. Thank you to my guest, Jody, for giving us all some great insight into her journey. Make sure to like, share, and subscribe to the show and join the conversation on Facebook and Twitter. That's it for this one. And until next time, go do something good for someone.